You're listening to Sport, Digital and Social with Mr. Richard Clark. I always thought of it as a job, you know, I, I would say I'm going to work. People who might be at our house who's not my wife, where are you going? I'm going to work. When they'd laugh at me, but it, it is a job. You know, people don't realize 95, 99% of sport is disappointment. And a lot of that is at 16, 17, 18, 19, been turned away, been turned back, been not picked, and it's been able to bounce back to keep going. I'm proud that I uh, beat the odds and I, I proved, I suppose, a lot, a lot of people wrong. You know, there was plenty of players I would put ahead of me at that age, but um, that's the case for everyone. You know, there's more than just being the best player about becoming a professional. There's about, it's about a million and one things. Hi there. Now, when a footballer hangs up their boots, the news reports often read like obituaries. However, it's only one part of their professional career that has passed away. And, like any personal upheaval, the full ramifications are rarely felt until a good few months have passed. Kevin Doyle was forced to retire from football in September 2017 at the age of 34 after suffering complications over a series of concussions. An intelligent, hard-working striker, his 16-year career included successful spells at Reading, Wolves and in the US, where our paths crossed at the Colorado Rapids. Doyle also won 63 caps for Ireland, scoring 14 goals, with the highlight being his involvement in Euro 2012. Doyle's decision to call time drew tributes laced with a tinge of sadness, given the enforced nature of his retirement. But, a few months on, how's he feeling now? How's he reassessing his life and career? Where's he going next? And how does it feel to be a former footballer? Now I ask all my guests to introduce themselves, say who they are, what they've done, why they're famous and why I'm interviewing them. Kevin took this rather literally, but you'll get the drift and we'll go straight into the interview after that. Enjoy. I am Kevin Doyle. I'm a former professional soccer player and that is the reason Richard is interviewing me today, I presume. <laughs> we'll find out, but uh, that's the main reason he wants to find out uh, what I'm doing now, I suppose, and, and what I'm up to. Is it hard to say former professional soccer player? Yeah, I, I'm I'm happier with that though because everyone goes, "What's it like to be retired?" and ask me, you know, "What do you do now you're retired?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm not retired. I'm just finished playing soccer. I'm not, you know, I'm not 65 and retired or whatever. I just stopped playing soccer and now I'm going. To, I'm doing something else. So saying I'm a former professional football, I find that easier than than saying no, I'm retired. We'll talk about what you're doing a bit later on, but I want to talk about the process of retirement because yours was slightly unusual because it was on medical yeah. grounds and it was to do with a very hot topic at the moment, which is concussions. So just tell us about the process of your retirement. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's I suppose, listen, I got, I got advice that I probably should retire. So, you know, cut a long story short, I I took a few weeks to sort of accept that advice and think about it and talk to people. And, and then I went ahead and, and you know, decided to, to call it a day. And I, I found it actually difficult, I don't know if I said this, I found it difficult because it was only advice, it's not a definite, it's, you know, in our opinion, but you never know, you could, you might be fine or, you know, but in the, in the expert's opinion, it was, um, you know, on the balance of play or whatever, it, it was better that you retire and not take any more risks. So that was, you know, a weird feeling because I'm 30, I was 34. So I knew I was going to be finishing up, I'd plan to play another year, maybe two, but it's still, it was a weird, you know, uh, been told or, or, or just announcing I was retiring and you know because I, I wasn't expecting to retire then I was expecting to play for another year or two so it's hard to hard at the time to sink in but or get my head around it still it probably is 
Um, I still feel fit. It wasn't a, a physical injury or it felt like something that could stop me running, which is all that soccer's about, you know, being able to run, being able to train. And so that side of it still, you know, I played five-a-side the other night, first time I've kicked the ball since I stopped playing, and I felt fit as a fiddle still running around, you know. Well, well, not really fit, but, you know, being able to run around and do everything. And um, I suppose that was the, the hardest part for it for me. The, uh, I suppose, sudden nature of it, I didn't realise. I played LA Galaxy and I came off after 20 minutes with a concussion in that game and, um, and that was the last time I was on the pitch it wasn't you know it wasn't like a you know, you know some people go out and play their last game and they know it's their last game or whatever so that's the, the, that's the only annoying part of it looking at it from a bigger picture I'm 34 I've been really lucky to play as long as that um, a lot longer than a lot of people get to play a lot of people don't make it for whatever reason that far you know they're just not getting offered a contract or they're, you know, or they're injured at 25 or 26 or 27 I made it at 34 as I said I was going to finish up in a year or two years maybe you know i planned to, to we had actually sort of planned to move back to america anyway to, to i was going to try go back and play in england so you know in, in different ways my time in america was probably coming to an end so in one sense it was an easier move or transition to been finished playing but in another sense it was very strange <laughs> if that makes any sense to you yeah i suppose it's the sense that it was kind of taken away from you it wasn't a process that you controlled it was this medical advice is given to you and You'll be stupid not to take it. But, of course, there's the culture of play through the injury. It won't be yeah. too bad. It's, it's the macho yeah. culture that's, that pervades football. Yeah, and all my life I would have. You know, if I had a, unless I was really badly injured, I, I would always play, whether that's stupid or not. Some days you get away with it and other days you wouldn't. But if it was a, a little bit of a tight quad or a tight calf, I'd just protect it and I'd be able to get through. And, and, and that's what I sort of did, to be honest, with the, with the heading and the concussions. You know, you sort of protect it. You protect it during the weekend training. You make sure you're okay for the weekend. And as I said, again, you know, it was just advice. The experts, it's up to you. You make your own decision. I would prefer to be told, no, you're not allowed on the pitch next week. You know, it was more of, yeah, well, in our opinion, you shouldn't play um, again. But it's, you know, again, you could be fine. And, you, sh you know, you can play for another year or two sort of thing. You, it's, it's very um, left in my hands. And I would have preferred to be taken out of my hands, to be honest with you. But, um, you know, again, it was, I'm 100% happy now with the decision or whatever it's you know not it's not it's not my i'm second guessing now it was it just took me four or five weeks at the time you know my last game to when i decided it took me that four or five weeks to raise what am i doing you know just retire and, and take the take the, the advice and you know what are you going to gain out of the next year or two anyway so that was the way i, I sold it to myself i suppose and um you know it, it was right and it is right and um but it just took five or six weeks to to sort of figure that out at the time yeah just to be clear you were in danger of being left with constant concussion symptoms. Yeah, that was what that was the advice I was given. Basically, that the next concussion you get, you the symptoms won't go away. You'll be stuck with a, with a headache. You'll be stuck feeling a bit shitty, feeling a little. You know, concussion symptoms. Concussion symptoms are so all over the place, so varied. One of them is it makes you sleep more. The other, which I found a lot, was you couldn't sleep. Your your brain is going a million miles an hour the couple of days, the week after a concussion. You're irritable. You're you know just you know your memory isn't great every there's all different symptoms not you don't get all of them at once you don't get them you know it's so you know very good yeah that is that was the prognosis that the next concussion you won't come out with or you won't recover from those symptoms you get stuck with one or two or three of those symptoms whatever may they may be so or i could have been fine <laughs> but it was just the fact i was getting concussed i suppose easier than i i should have i wasn't feeling well after heading the ball and stuff and that was you know basically telltale signs that it was time according to the expert time to uh, call it a day. The statement that you made when you retired talked about 
concussions throughout your career. It kind of opened up a debate, um, yeah. and it was it was news in England and I presume in America. Was that deliberate? Because we both know this concussion issue is much much bigger in American soccer than it is in English soccer. It's very very serious. You, you, there, there's protocols. You could potentially have two weeks out with a concussion when you're walking around and. I we both had players in the Rapids who seemed fine, but they were out two weeks with a concussion protocol. So was it deliberate to open that debate? And are you pleased that um, you no, did? It wasn't deliberate. It was just you know making the point. I I suppose it was more of you know it wasn't just the concussion I got against LA. You know this is a number built up over years, and the ones actually in America were tri- my concussions where I was the two weeks and the, and the three weeks or whatever out to two weeks and recover and go again. And um, I suppose what one of the things that one of the neurologists said to me was possibly, it's not definite, but the concussions I would have received when I was younger playing or whatever, and you didn't have that recovery, you went straight in and trained the next day, you didn't, and I didn't know any different, that would have lowered your tolerance to future concussions. If you, if I'd have taken the two weeks when I had a concussion when I was 21 or 23 or 21 at all, if I'd have recovered properly, you would probably not be getting as concussed easily now. It was the returning to play straight away without... And that was not any doctor pushed me or any club in England or Ireland or whatever. That was just didn't know any different. I wouldn't have even realised I was concussed. I only realised later some of the knocks I got in the past were definite concussions and I just didn't realise at the time. And I don't think that's the case now from speaking to other players. and or I know in England, in America, obviously, it's, it's really up on it. But I think it's the same now everywhere. I think everywhere has the same sort of protocols. I was with the FAI, the Irish association and their doctors a couple of weeks ago and they're meeting about the whole thing and they just wanted me to talk and, and listen to them and talking to them it's the same now and in, in ireland and in, in the league here you know any bang everyone's is, is really looked after now it's just more aware and that's that can only be a good thing and hopefully you know i, I would imagine if in years gone by as i said if i'd have taken the proper recovery the week or two off after a bad bang i wouldn't have had these symptoms later in the last year or so so hopefully it's it's a good thing and and It'll be, it'll be, that will continue and be continue to be taken as serious as any other injury and that you'll be given a, a, and lads, it's more players, you know, doctors can do whatever they do and they can test you, but deep down it's yourself, you know, even this year when I was coming back, I shouldn't have come back in, in February from a, a concussion that I got, but I was so desperate to go and play that in the return to play protocol, I wasn't 100% truthful. So you have to be truthful for yourself. The doctors can't look inside your head. You just have to tell them yourself. And I think players are now more open, more honest about that. It's not seen as something you can get away with. And yeah, well, again, it's it's again, it's again hard when you're in the team and you're playing well and you don't want to lose your place and you think, well, I can get away with it and you can get away with it 90% of the time. You know, you can hide it and, you know, and, and get away with it the next week and be luckier. You could be unlucky. Um, but it really is a lot more up to players than doctors and, and you just have to have to realise the symptoms and I think that is becoming more and more, more and more normal now for players to, um, to deal with. And there's a dementia issue as well. I'm not sure if you're in... Back in the UK, Alan Shearer did a documentary on dementia. And even at under 10s, under 11s football, my son was playing in the Rapids Academy and they couldn't head the ball. They weren't allowed to head the ball under 10s. And of course, he's come back playing kick and rush English football and they can head the ball anytime they want. And we all know under 10s, uh, when you're a kid, you head it on the top of your head and and your head rings for for two minutes. And you can't say that's not having some sort of effect. No, it's probably not ideal, and I was the same. Me and my brother would go out every day and practice. For some reason, headers, I don't know why, and we do hundreds and hundreds of them, and it'd be like a sense of pride to like take the hardest ball to the head. And I think that's changing. You know, 
I laughed when I when I heard in America that they were stopping underage kids under ten heading the ball, and I thought that's silly. You let them head the ball. But after just speaking to the to the experts, I suppose on it, and they were telling me that you know that age from eight till sixteen or whatever is when your brain is developing, your head is developing at its peak. You know that's the most vulnerable time to be actually heading it. When you're older, it's not as bad. So there is something in that, you know. I wouldn't ban it, but I would just, you know, I don't know how how you'd lessen it or how you would, because uh, you can't by by banning it, you're not teaching kids how to head the ball, and and their technique won't be good, and they'll be getting worse, I suppose potentially worse bangs to the head because they're not their technique is bad. So it's getting a, a happy medium. It's it's limiting it if you I don't know how you would do it underage, but maybe if a, a kid is not not just doing stupid crossing and finishing for twenty five minutes and make him hit a hundred balls, you know, being been a little bit clever about it and, and letting kids head the ball but just not being crazy the amount of times that they do it, I suppose. There's so much going on with this concussion and dementia debate and NFL and all that kind of stuff, but I don't want to talk about that. don't want to get too dim to that. I want to talk about you because you retired end of September, I think it was. Yeah. So it is, what, four and a half months, something like that. And one of the reasons I want to talk to you is because everyone interviews players when they retire. But so many players learn so much in the few months after retirement. What have you learned about retiring as a footballer? Um, I need to keep a diary now. Uh, we spoke about this. You know, you're so used to as a soccer player. You don't even need to remember because you just know the days you train. You know the days you're off. It's such a routine. It's the same year after year. So you, whether training is at 10 or quarter past 10 is your biggest worry. Um, and, and that's your, you, know, you see when your game is and you know your pattern and you know your off season. And now all of a sudden, you know, I can't live without writing stuff down in the diary, without keeping dates and keeping her. I just can't function at teams from week to week. That's the biggest adjustment for me. It's, I said at the start, it's, it's. I'm not retired. I'm finished playing soccer, and I, I've tried to make that point to people when they when they ask me. I'm not just going to lie on the sofa all day and talk to you, Richard, and <laughs> on the podcast. This is an audio podcast. He is lying on the sofa with two dogs around him. Yeah. So. Um, you know that's it, and I, and 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 I suppose it's. And I spoke to a few players about this. Everyone wants to know straight away. Well, what are you doing now? And you're like, well, I've just finished 17 years of playing soccer. I'm taking. I'm not rushing into anything. I could do loads of things, and I've been putting off things. But you know, I've got plenty to do at home. I'm catching up on a lot of stuff I haven't been able to do. But is in diving into another job or career. I'm you know taking taking my time, and that's what I've been. Other people have told me to do, and and it's I I feel that I don't want to just jump into something for the sake of doing it. Just, but I find it frustrating when people ask you what are you doing because you know you. So what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what have you thought about doing? What have you thought about doing? I have I I'm not sure. I've done a little bit of TV work, um, Irish TV, and analysing the you know Champions League games, doing the the before halftime and afterwards of that, and we have horses at home. I've been feeding horses and bedding horses and doing all that we breed horses uh, at home in ireland so i've been doing all the odd jobs around the place i've been getting used to living at home i've been sorting out our life to move to basically live in ireland with our family and kids and um all that's every day there's there's stuff to do so i'm trying to figure out which which path um i suppose i'm going to take semi-seriously or seriously i don't know and and whether it's coaching or staying in soccer or the media side of it or going more into our horses here and really getting stuck into that um i'm just gonna dip my toe into all of them and, and see which one uh which one feels the best i suppose how much had you planned ahead of time with retirement because you were you knew you were two years away yeah. from it or something like that so yeah. what plans did you already make so i think you, you're stupid as a sports person you're not planning from day one so i've been 
not planning what I'm doing day to day, as I said, I'm not sure, but planning investment wise and, and saving and, you know, getting yourself set up so that when you do retire, in my case, I can sit here and figure out, you know, I'm not forced, I suppose, the next day to, to go into something maybe I don't like or have to do for the sake of doing it. So I've always been aware of this, but still totally different when you stop playing. You know, every player knows it's coming to an end. We just don't realise when or what. But I've, I've enjoyed it. It's been great to be home in Ireland and catch up with friends and family and be living here. It's the first time I've lived in, in Ireland as an adult. So um, that's been strange, but it's been good. We're getting used to it. I've planned all along for this, but um, I haven't planned for the day-to-day of this, if, that, if, if, you, if you know what I'm saying. I remember speaking to your wife and she said she loved America because you got Christmas back. You got Christmas back and you never had Christmas really as a yeah. family. But I know you, you've travelled as well, so you, you've done those things you haven't had the opportunities to do and you've, you've taken those opportunities already. Yeah, yeah. We, we, have, we had Christmas here. We had the last few years after playing, playing in the MLS, which is fantastic to be able to travel home for, to Ireland for Christmas. Um, and then straight after Christmas to be able to plan you know, I'm still not used to that. To be able, you know, we'll say well, we do this, and we go, oh, I don't know. Whereas, you know, I'm still not in that mode where I can go. Okay, yeah, we can go there. Um, we went to Australia for a few weeks straight after Christmas. Jenny's sister lives over there, and godson, and um, and we went and and travelled and and had great time in Perth. Brought the kids and everything. It was a bit crazy, but to be able to do that, I should be back in training now. I should be I see the Colorado Rapids lads back training and. That's seen them back trains the first time I've had that. Whoa, that would, you know, I never thought I'd say I see lads back pre season, I want to join in, but I, I feel like I've had a good break and I see them back training and they miss the fun and the excitement of a start of a season, the anything is possible feeling, you know, everything about it and the new kits and all that side. But you miss, you, I do sort of feel like I, I miss that, but you know, I, I'm still. Uh, I'm still excited and enjoying, you know, the fact I got to go to Australia, the fact I'm planning on going to different golf tournaments, something I've never got to do, trying to get to Augusta, which is one I've always wanted to do, and just things like that, to be able to go to the horse race and to be able to, you know, which I did last week, and I plan to go again next week, to be able to do stuff day to day and plan stuff without, you know, wondering when your next match is or will the manager give us that day off or or whatever, whatever the case may be. So still getting used to that feeling. We hear a lot of stories about NFL players, football players, when they retire, that financial problems happen, marital problems happen, just because they maintain that lifestyle. There's so many statistics about players going bankrupt, etc. Do you understand how that happens? And when that happened to other players around you, you must have known players that happened to you. What did you think about it at the time, and what did you try and learn from it? You just, uh, I don't know, you always hear it, and the, the percentage is something crazy. I, I think it's... I think it's one third of soccer players are divorced within three years. I think is the stat. It's which, something like that, yeah. Yeah. So me and Jenny got two and a half years to get through now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I might have to cut that bit out. She'll kill yeah, me. Yeah, and we got another baby on the way in five months. Oh, have you? Yeah. So um, that might and a new puppy that might cause us to get divorced. Actually, the new puppy. So a baby on the way. So hopefully we can get through the next two years. <laughs> you know, it is. It, it does. It just makes you think, and you. You know, what can you do? You plan, you try not to be stupidly spending, you try not to... There's only so much you can do, I suppose. I would like to think I have never been ridiculous with my money over the years or stupidly, or stupidly flash or flamboyant. Maybe I have, I don't know, but I think I haven't. And um, you just have to try maintain that. All sports people, you know, if you get fairly high up in it, in, in most sports, you get financially well rewarded and... And as I said, I've been planning from before I was financially well rewarded. When I was playing in the League of Ireland, I've been planning from then to 
to when I finish. And hopefully, you know, I don't go off the rails and <laughs> blow it all or make stupid. But, you know, it happens to most, you know, outside of sport. It happens in every line of business. It happens to the richest people in the world go broke. It's going to happen to people, but you just try to plan and, you know, hopefully I'm, I make some good, I make good decisions. I have made good decisions and hopefully I can keep that up. And, um, you know, as I said, one third gets divorced after three years but two thirds don't and and the ones you don't hear about you know you only hear about the guys who go bankrupt and get divorced you don't hear about the lads who go on and have a, a great soccer career I, I think some of that comes down to a, sometimes a loss of identity that they lose they were this footballer they, they yep. had people running around after them they had their ego stroked on a regular basis and part of, I, I don't know about this is cod psychology for me but part of the spending yeah. is to keep that going do you feel yeah. the loss of identity almost yeah yeah I, I can see that I never I never realized that you know before but I do see that you know you're a soccer player you people aren't asking you what you're doing you're just well you're a soccer player and that's it so and that's the same with anyone I suppose who changes job or you know or is out of work what you're doing but well you're a soccer player and you I never felt proud to say it but now looking back I probably was proud yeah I'm a professional athlete I'm a soccer player I keep fit for a living so um there's definitely you know when when you're not uh, all of a sudden you're not a professional athlete you're not uh you're not there's no no one cares about not that no one cares about but no one you know no fan no club is telling you where to be no one is invested in you in your fitness in your future so it's it's um it definitely i suppose i'm not saying i've really been affected by it but it's definitely been something i've noticed and something just to be aware of it's you know I'm trying to trying to keep fit, but it's hard to uh, to again you don't have a reason to keep fit when I've been keeping fit for so long as a job. All of a sudden you don't have to. I'm still feeling guilty about a couple of pints of beer and uh, and the bad food I'm eating and stuff. And um, is it starting to spread a little bit around the middle? Um, I'm trying to hide. I got a baggy jumper on here. <laughs> yeah, that'll only last so long. It'll be yeah. elasticated pants next. It'll be sweatpants. Yeah. yeah, Jenny's in the pregnancy pants at the moment. I might borrow those. But yeah, yeah, and I, I do get that whole thing now, the identity thing, and it's you know, it's, it's again giving yourself something else to do. And as I said, I, I've got nine or ten horses, so to be able to you know do other things, breed horses, to be able to go and work on TV, or you have to have. I, I do feel I have to have something. You know, maybe it's only one or two things a week that I'm working at, but I do feel to to be able to feel like I have a reason to, I suppose, get up in the morning or whatever. Because when I spoke to you before, you always mentioned the stud farm, and yeah. that was a big thing because it also involves learning. That's essentially a new skill, and it, it yeah. takes a lot of learning. That a lifetime yeah. of learning, really. Yeah, it is. You know, I'm just even going out with my dad, and you're like, well, well, how much are you feeding that? I mean, why are you feeding that mare this much, and why are you feeding the foal this much, and why are you feeding the three-year-old horse? You know, and why is she getting hay, and why is he getting horse? You know, it's a simple thing that I don't know, you know, because I haven't been here for 20 years. When I was a kid, I knew it, or probably knew it. I knew more than I did now. So you lose that skill. And uh, we breed and sell horses, for example, and it's why why is that horse going to go to the sales and why is that one not going to be bought by anyone because that one's got a crooked leg or that one's got, you know, like a bit like a soccer player. They might they might have a, you know, mightn't look the best athlete, but they might be the best one on the pitch. But when it comes to selling them before they run, they always have to look the best. And, uh, you know, just being able to pick out little things like that, no one they're sick, no one real. It's a skill. If I'm to go down that road, I really have to really, you have to dive into the deep end and, and um, really get stuck into it. Are these racehorses? Yeah. yeah. Racehorses. They're not yet. They're being bred to be racehorses. Yes. It's a lot. It's a, it's a pretty that. footballer thing. I mean, Mick Channon yeah. is one of the most famous examples. Michael Owen has even yeah. turned up as being a jockey. Yeah, um, it's, they, they, it's a yeah. footballer thing to get into horses, certainly in England. Yeah. Well, 
in my case, it's just the fact my dad breeds them. You know, it's not like I've gone blindly into it, I suppose, whatever. It's just I've happened. It's like being an accidental landlord when you you live in a place and you own a property and you move and you keep onto it and, and keep going and keep doing it. It's the same with horses. My dad has bought, I bought one or two and all of a sudden she has a foal or two foals and all of a sudden I have 10 when I thought I only had two or three. And, uh, you know, now it's it's more of a business and it's, it's something, you know, you, you can lose money on and make money on. But, it, you know, I haven't, I've become interested in it through my father i suppose and he's the the expert on it and i'm the really the apprentice trying to figure out how it all works since retirement who's reached out to you because there must be people who know your back and contacted yeah. you over personal things over business things so who's been reaching out to you and, and and which ones have surprised you the most in terms of that reaching out i've had a i've had a couple of people i'm not going to mention any soccer players that i don't know reaching out about going to the mls and um <laughs> teams are interested and what would I what would my my opinion be about it and stuff um, and it's been all positive you know but other than that it seems just people saying hello people um different you know I've had the Reading supporters club onto me to come over to a Reading game and and things like that so um or a night there for, with their supporters club so nothing major you know I kept in touch with everyone anyway it wasn't like you know all of a sudden I'm retired and people contact I've just been I, I feel like I've been the same before you know, keeping in contact and keeping in touch with the same people now as I did before. I don't, you know, don't really, don't really notice too much different. A lot of interest in the whole concussion thing. And I tried, I tried to turn down as much. Obviously, I had to do some interviews about it and talk about it. But I just don't want to be that person who had concussion for, the, you know, it was, you know, it was happened to be that I retired with that in the end. But um, I don't want to be talking about it for the rest of my life. So a lot of the random people reaching out to me has been to discuss that and to, to want to do interviews and, and to, um, to get more in depth in that but i've just been trying to uh trying to not be uh just talking about that every every week yeah i mean one thing that always struck me is even when you sign for the rapids and i was at the rapids of course you're tremendously popular with the wolves fans the reading fans because you've always had the personality where you've worked hard and everyone can see you've given a hundred percent and there's no been no bad things that have happened do you think that's that long-term care of your reputation is helpful now because you can because you, you, you can knock on people's doors and wolves and reading people will be positive about you for that reason yeah i hope so you know and they have been you know i need I, I haven't been ringing people looking to do things but i feel i could ring you know different people i've dealt with over the years and, and ask for a favor or whether to go to a game or whatever and um but i haven't been doing it yet but maybe i will be in in the future and as i said you know the reading supporters come on to me and I've, i feel a connection with you know, I need the clubs I've played with for more than, you know, more than a year or two, you know, Cork City to begin with, you know, and, um, you know, I've stayed there for over two years, you know, Reading, obviously, probably my most successful time along my first few years at Wolves. And uh, I, I, I would feel, you know, I haven't done it, but I would feel at home, I think, going to any of those games and watching them play. And I'm going over to the UK next week, uh, no, next month, three weeks time. And, um, I'm going to go to a Reading game and uh, as I said I'm popping up to the supporters club at Reading to uh, say hello to them so you know looking forward to that and uh, yeah I suppose I don't feel like I couldn't turn up anywhere which I'm sure players do feel like oh I can't show my face there <laughs> sure happens to plenty of players and uh, in one sense I'm lucky you know I'm lucky that that's yeah definitely lucky that's that's the case I, I'm looking forward to going back over to Colorado and catching up with lads there and looking at a game from uh you know, a different perspective as a, you know, as just a fan and been on a bit of a holiday and, and enjoying it in Denver for, for maybe a week in a, in a couple of months' time. That'll be fun as well. Yeah, I asked that question because I, I do know footballers who've 
been nervous about coming back to certain clubs because of the way they left or things like that and they worry that that security blanket of being a player isn't there anymore and they're they're suddenly having to go back and um old wounds are unraveled should we say or revealed the other question i was going to ask you is do you feel the sense you want to as a former footballer not a retired footballer as a former footballer you want to pay your dues at all because there's st patrick's there's cork clubs where you grew up in that would have been a part of your story do you, do you actively want to go and help them or or is it is that something in the future um, i think it's something in the future right now i'm like i'm not sure i know wexford youths which is where which is now a league of Ireland team but it would have been it, it's called wexford youths from from having starting off as a youth team which is run by a friend of mine and i and i'm you know i'm going to do a little bit of coaching maybe with their underage team. I wanted their underage teams in the in in the near future, but um, no other than that, I don't think any of those teams need my help or need me to do anything with them. They're well looked after. There are some big clubs there, and they definitely don't need me uh, helping them out in any way. So you know, if anyone asked, I would be happy to. But um, you know, nothing. I, there's nothing. I think I'm sure with underage teams locally and stuff like that, I could help out and, and be, have a positive impact. And I'm sure. Uh, well, I will look to do that. And I have to do my coaching badges, you know, to begin with, which is something I've been putting on the long finger for a few years, and it's becoming inevitable now that I'll have to do it sooner rather than later. That's going to happen, yeah, because the A license is uh, is going back to the books, isn't it? Yeah, the B and the A and the B. Um, well, B first and then A. It's, yeah, it's not a. It's not a simple task. It's going to take a few years, so it's just committing to starting. It's um, you know everyone has to do it um, if they want to be a coach. And and again, I don't know if I want to stay in soccer. I, you know, it changes a lot of the time. Sometimes I think you know I've learned so much. I've had so many managers and seen so much and experiences, good and bad, that it'd be a waste not to use it. And other times I think, who'd want to be a coach or manager? <laughs> you know, you're watching every week. You know, who wants to move their family every? You know, you lose four games and telling your wife and kids right we're off we've been sacked we're moving again and, and um, there's pros and cons but that, that's definitely one of the cons to a future in any sport um, you know you have to think just if it was just me on my own no problem but when you're you know hard enough moving your kids when they're the age they are now three and five but as they get older and they get older you know, do I want to be moving them for the, for the rest of their lives but other people do it and they do fine but um, it's something you have to rethink about and the commentary thing I mean that's that's quite competitive as well, I would think, because a lot of ex-pros want to get into that. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, high percentage. And um, again, it's something I did a few. I did a good few games before Christmas there, and it's something that's not, you know, it's not easy. You really have to be on the ball, and, and me being away in America, not really paying a whole lot of attention to to what's going on in England or, or Europe, and then coming back and jumping into the deep end. I did an Ireland game for Denmark for Sky Sports, and. And even that, you know, it was a nil-nil, the first leg. I did the first leg out of the game. And you don't realise when you're not doing it how much work goes on behind the scenes to just talk for 10 minutes at halftime or whatever. And when it's nil-nil and there's been no chances and you're trying to drag 10 minutes conversation out, um, I found it I found it hard. And it's not it's not something that becomes natural. You have to work at it like any job, like anything new. I, mean, I did a few more then with, with TV in Ireland and... Um, you know, it became a little bit easier, but still, it's something you really, yeah. Seeing the guys I did a with, I did a with a few ex, at Shea Given and Gary Breen and Keith Andrews and and Kenny Cunningham, and seeing the level of preparation and effort. You know, they don't just turn up and and talk about a game. They've put in a lot of preparation. They they know their stuff. They know their stats. They have a lot of work going on behind the scenes to to be able to be able to talk about games. And 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 that's something if you're going to do it, you have to do it right. And it's something just from doing those few games that I um, you know, I really uh, really look. 
learned and realized. And if I'm going to go down that route, it's something you have to be really prepared for. And you may have to criticize people you yeah. like, people you know. Um, yeah. You might have to burn some bridges there. That's a hard, isn't it? That's that's one thing I won't like, you know. And, and I, as I get older and I get further away from players I played with, it 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 become easier. But uh, you know, right now I was doing the Ireland game against Denmark. Thankfully, it wasn't nil nil. There wasn't much criticizing in the first leg to do. I didn't do the second leg. But um, you know, I wouldn't be able to criticize players I played with. I know them. I know what they're going through. And and it's you know, I'm not that person. Other people maybe will, but I won't be. I won't do that. So it's not ideal right now, probably uh, to be going in and analyzing games. But you know, percentage of games I won't know a lot of the lads in it you know there's you know doing an Ireland game would be a difficult one for me but for most most of the Champions League games and, and things like that or, or the games in Ireland that would be covering the big Premier League games there won't be too many Irish players playing in it so it should get easier as, as time goes on if, if I go down that route and also going down that route means profile means social media to promote yourself means responding to people means putting yourself your head above the parapet which which knowing you a little bit is, is something that I would argue isn't you're not the, you're, you're you're not a shoe in you're not a complete natural you do it and you've always been good with media but you're not a look at me kind of guy but yeah you set up my twitter account i did yeah, i set so. up your twitter account <laughs> yeah and uh i have a go at that in and out every now and again but i just yeah i find that side of it it's grand when you want to get your great for retiring and putting my statement i do things like that but you know you sometimes you're you're it's hard to I, I find it hard to comment on anything or use Twitter because people don't get my, uh, I'm having a laugh, you know, in my comments, you don't get my humor and then it just blows out of, you know, the comments you get back, you're like, oh, why did I bother? So it's a difficult thing. And for me, it is a difficult thing. Other lads don't care. It's, and again, I don't like having my, you know, using the whole family side where in, in Instagram, I have a private Instagram account just for my friends and family and just, just to be a nose and see what's going on in the world. But I don't like having public stuff on there so that side of it would have to be for me curtailed i don't think um i'm not ideal candidate for that whole so social media side of it the twitter account is as far as i'm going to go i think and even that i'm i'm not fully uh fully i suppose energized about and just final couple football can be a drag to a lot of players sometimes they don't don't like it there are players who are professional players who don't like football do you still like football? Yeah, I like. I played five a side the other night, and I enjoy that. You know, it's a job like anything else. When you're going through a career, you have good seasons, you have bad seasons. You, you get promoted, you get relegated, you win stuff, you don't win stuff. And it, you know, and and the bad seasons are really tough, but the good seasons are great. But it's a job, and it, I suppose, and mo all players will treat it. Oh, well, I treat it as a job and a, a professional, like a really perfect. Like um, when I say job, I mean like. I treated every hour of the day as my job and it is I, I always thought of it as a job you know I, I would say I'm going to work you know to people who who might be at our house who's not my wife where are you going I'm going to work when they'd laugh at me but it, it is a job now when I'm playing five a side with my brother and mates that's fun that's that's what I grew that's soccer that's a kid feeling that's like I played the other night and it's great fun and um but playing a league playing season after season you know, it's a job and you, you passionately work at it 100% and you go, you know, you have to maintain your body and your life and your fitness 100% all the time. You know, it's what you get paid to do. It is a, I, I, when I say it's a job, I don't mean that as in a cold clinical bad way. I mean, it's a job in a good way. It's a, it's a job that you 
put your whole life into and it is your whole life you know you don't escape it you escape it a little bit more which i enjoyed in america you escape it a bit more you know you're not bumping into a lot of people on the street who want to talk about soccer you know there's you're not uh, you're playing in england you know everyone wants to talk to you about soccer and and it might be your team don't talk about someone else's team or the result of their team and it's really it feels like it's 24-7, whereas I, I enjoyed that about America was when you were finished your training, you finished your match, that was that was sort of it. You know, you didn't you didn't talk or think about soccer till the next training session or the next match, which which I think has helped me now in my retirement because, you know, if I'd have finished in England and where it was mentally intense 24-7, it'd be a bigger, like, withdrawal symptom maybe, whereas I had, a, like, everything about the MLS was fantastic, but outside of the people who knew about soccer, you know, I was weaned off that whole side of things for a few years. Um, so now maybe it's not as big a shock to my system when I'm when I'm finished playing um, as it would have been if I'd have just finished one day playing for, for Wolves, basically, or whatever. Um, you know, I, I think that's made the transition a bit easier. Um, the sense is it's helped you not have the desire to cling on to the game because that could be a temptation to cling on to something yeah. you've had and that's and that's hard yeah. isn't it emotionally yeah you, yeah you do you know i was 34 finished now i wasn't as quick as i used to be when i was younger and, and this and that but you don't in my head i was so you know and i always thought why would anyone play 37 38 but then when i was getting to 34 i'm thinking i started to realize what my players do because you do you 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 i suppose you trick yourself and you have to trick yourself you know into thinking well i'm still as good i'm still as fast i'm still as fit and you're probably not and you uh, and if you really think and look at it, you know, I wasn't as quick as I was when I was 25 or 26, but in my mind, I was 21. You know, I'm in a dressing room with 21-year-olds and 22-year-olds, and it keeps you young. It keeps you still thinking. You know, I still think I'm, I'm mid-20s. I don't realize I'm 34, and, and that's how I would have kept playing, I think, till I was 36, 37. But then, I, I don't know, maybe players become a bit bitter or angry when they're not getting picked at that age. You know, you don't want to let go. You don't realize, you know, you're not the player you were. You know, it has to come to an end. But I wouldn't have liked to have come to an end just trying to cling on and, and go down the divisions. I'm I'm glad it came to an end at a good level, you know, in, a, in front of loads of fans, top facilities. And, you know, it didn't come to an end, I suppose, just trying to hang on by my fingernails and hope for the best and, and still be bitter and say, I still think I should be playing ahead of some fit 21-year-old. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know... You see players do it both ways. Some lads just go and that's it, and others will will be forty and still playing in, you know, whatever league lower down. Just finally, I mean, I, I normally end with a a forward looking question, but because we're talking about your career, I'll, I'll, I'll end with a backward looking question. When yeah. you look back on what you did as a player, what do you feel? Um. I think the one thing that always comes this is proud that I played for so long that I um, that I made it really as a you know I don't know, I think I've said I've had this with you before and you've interviewed me in the past and, and different things for Colorado but it, there's no there's been no player from from where I am to play for Ireland to play in the Premier League to play in the MLS whatever there's no one in the region or the locality in the county that I'm from it was just wasn't an option you know people would nearly laugh at you for even thinking it as a 16 year old or a 17 year old why are you playing the league of ireland why aren't you playing gaelic football or like what are you doing like you know so i'm proud that i uh i beat the odds and i i proved i suppose a lot a lot of people wrong you know there was plenty of players i would have put ahead of me at that age but um 
you know that's the case for everyone you know there's more than just being the best player about becoming a professional it's about, it's about a million and one things um, if you need a little bit of luck but you need a serious amount of um, ability to overcome disappointments because you know people don't realize 95 99% of sport is disappointment um, and a lot of that is at 16 17 18 19 been turned away been turned back been not picked and it's been able to bounce back to keep going and not just giving up at that age and and keep coming back for more and um, I'm, that's probably what I'm proud of to be able to have done that and play it out till till the end Kevin Doyle happy retirement cheers Richard. not Thank retirement you. being an express yes come on say that enough times yeah sorry sorry I got that wrong <laughs> cheers mate thank you you've been listening to sports digital and social with Mr. Richard Clark rate review and subscribe on iTunes you can find Richard on Twitter Facebook and Instagram by searching for at Mr. Richard Clark or at his website, MrRichardClark.com.